Uh, we all know what's good about the Nordic model. Excellent universal public services, uh, relatively low levels of inequality, robust labor rights, progressive gender policies, a strong sense of social solidarity, etc. Et now, this might seem a bit odd, as we are accustomed to thinking of Nordic countries as leaders in sustainability. Uh, after all, their air is uh, crisp and fresh, their parks are free of litter, uh, much of the region is covered in beautiful forests, and Scandinavians tend to be, for the most part, quite environmentally conscientious. But ecological economists, unfortunately, have uh, a quite different story to tell. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Pseudo-Sustainability in Scandinavia, where we try to assess the Nordic model and understand how really sustainable it is. My name is Sambhav, and with me is guest Paul Mitford, an American political scientist teaching at Meiji Gaokin University in Yokohama. He specializes in Japanese foreign policy and spent 15 years of his life teaching at the Norwegian Institute of Science and Technology. He now lives in Japan and will talk to us about a rather pressing and interesting issue. Are the Nordic or is the Nordic model really sustainable? So Professor, to start off, maybe can you tell us a little bit more about some of the reasons for the Nordic country's reputation, crystal clear reputation in terms of sustainability? You know, what aspects make them stand out in comparison to other nations? Well, uh, first of all, they have beautiful environments. Um, some of that is simply based on the fact that they have very low population density. Norway and Iceland have the lowest population densities in Europe. Norway, for example, is about the same size of Japan, but Japan has 27 times the population. So they have a lot of uh, pristine, empty forests and, and beautiful nature. That's part of it. They also have very strong welfare states uh, that help to uh, minimize in, uh, social and economic inequality, help to ensure that everyone has access to uh, affordable health care. Um, and in terms of the environment, they have been, uh, in, in some respects, leaders in promoting uh, renewable energy. Norway, uh, for many decades, has had essentially 100% or even more of its uh, electricity produced uh, by uh, hydroelectric power, so it produces no emissions. They export some of that electricity, increasing amounts to other countries, Sweden, Denmark. They built undersea cables to the Netherlands, Germany, and a new one to Britain uh, to export this electricity. Uh, and uh, Norway even talks about being the green battery that can back up, you know, renewable energy in Britain, uh, like offshore wind power or solar and wind power in Germany. So that is something to do with why they do have a good reputation in terms of the environment and sustainability. So all these countries, something similar with them is they're all social democracies. They have uh, big social security nets and they really care um, for their citizens. And we, we see that in the case for all these countries, they promote renewable energy and they, 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 fo they focus on uh, renewable and sustainable consumer practices. Uh, do you think this has been part of the reason why these countries are so successful in terms of their ecological impact? Well, I'm not sure how successful they have been in terms of the ecological impact, but I think all of those policies help. For them, it's very much a work in progress. But yeah, certainly things such as mandatory recycling laws uh, uh, on the part of uh, companies that sell consumer products has certainly helped in terms of reducing pollution, having like uh, large 
deposit laws for bottles and cans helps produce, reduce pollution. So those are all positive things. Um, and um, uh, they also have some trash separation, although it's maybe somewhat more developed than the US, but it's not as developed as some other countries like say Japan, where there's much more of that. But um, uh, certainly those are factors that have contributed to them having, uh, uh, certainly reducing their environmental impact. And so we also see that um, something in common amongst most of these nations is they rank, re they rank fairly highly on any of the UN's um, indexes that, that deal with sustainability, um, ecological impact, just um, care for the environment. Do, do you, what is the credibility of, of these sources and um, are they as sustainable as uh, they're made to seem? Well, I, I don't think uh, any of the Nordic countries would claim today that they have reached sustainability or perfect sustainability, but I do think they believe they're making some progress. I think that's credible, but there are some problems. Um, so Norway, where I used to uh, live and teach, is a uh, leading exporter of oil and gas. Um, so in some sense, they're exporting greenhouse gas emissions to other countries because the those uh, oil and gas are mostly burned in other countries, and then uh, they're responsible for the resulting uh, emissions from that. So that probably reduces, uh, uh, you know, Norway's recorded footprint in terms of in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. On the other hand, they also can help other countries by exporting elect uh, renewable electricity, which they do, and also in uh, Norway and particularly Iceland that have very uh, inexpensive renewably uh, produced electricity. They have large aluminum industries. Aluminum uses a lot of electricity and they would claim that this is good for the environment because rather than producing aluminum, say in uh, countries that use a lot of coal and oil to produce electricity, they produce it using clean renewable energy uh, mm -hmm. and that's good for the environment. But on the other hand, um, they may also be importing products that are made in other countries that um, uh, use a lot more fossil fuels and that may be contributing to emissions uh, and other environmental problems. Interesting. So, so we see that Norway is trying to phase out gas-based or oil-based cars completely and it's trying to phase in electric cars. So it said, I think in a statement that by 2025, um, Norway is going to go all electric car. Do you think steps like these, they they go a long way in uh, making the reputation of these countries or like, you, you know, what is, what is your opinion on uh, policy statements like these? I think they have a couple of purposes. Incidentally, I'll just volunteer the personal fact that when I lived in Norway, I uh, bought and drove an electric car, a Nissan Leaf uh, that I thought was excellent. Um, and there were a lot of incentives to do that, uh, tax incentives and other incentives, parking, free parking, et cetera, to do that. And um, as of now, I believe uh, between 50 and 70% of all new car sales in Norway every month are electric cars. And as you said, uh, sales of new gasoline cars will be phased out by 2025. Norway is the first country to do that. Now, part of that might be what we might call greenwash, which is Norway is trying to establish a, a, and maintain a, a clean reputation for itself and kind of divert attention from the fact that it is also a major exporter of oil and gas. Part of this is also the fact that Norway um, not only wants to kind of make the transition to um, 
a uh, to a carbon neutral uh, country by hopefully 2050, but also the fact that as they run out of oil and gas, they need to look for new industries, and one of them is renewable ener energy, and also and renewable energy, which Norway has a lot of, makes electric vehicles all the more uh, uh, practical and sensible because they can charge inexpensively from uh, using Norway's uh, uh, clean renewable energy. So I think in short that there, there are some public relations reasons for them to do, uh, to pursue these policies. There are also some other reasons as well. Interesting. Um, I, was, I came across this article by Jason Hickel that was talking about carbon-based emissions, somewhat like greenwashing, where, um, so Norway, for, for example, uh, imports most of its emissions, and these emissions are actually uh, not domestically counted for Norway, but are actually counted for the countries that produce these goods. Cars, for example, um, are a high emission uh, good, and the carbon that is produced by these cars is not counted in Norway's uh, ecological impact, but the country producing it, for example, China. You know, do you think this makes makes the makes it seem like the Nordic countries are better than they actually are? Well, it certainly makes the Nordic countries appear to have lower greenhouse gas emissions than maybe they should be credited with. Um, they kind of face a dilemma. The Nordic countries, the Scandinavian countries, are very small in terms of population. Um, so um, you could fit the population of all of them into Tokyo and have a million or two people left over. So uh, in terms of population, they're very small. That makes it hard for them to, say, have a domestic auto industry. Sweden, the biggest one of them, has had an auto industry, although that's in decline. Norway actually for many years had and may still have a very small electric uh, car company called the Think. Um, I've seen a few of them. They almost look like golf court uh, cards. So they're very small cars. But um, uh, they're never able to have a major large uh, automobile industry because they're just too small in scale to do that. So consequently, they do depend on imports from other countries. And that's not entirely bad in the sense that if Norway and, and the other Nordic countries were to like manufacture all of their um, uh, manufactured industrial goods domestically instead of importing them, um, that would not only be very expensive, but it would also be bad for the environment because they would be very inefficient and they'd end up using and wasting a lot of natural resources um, for that kind of small scale production. So um, in that sense, I actually think it is probably better for the environment that they import these goods. The problem is um, how, what about, how are they made in, in other countries? And uh, these, uh, the Nordic countries should be helping other countries like China to uh, make these goods uh, in a more environmentally sustainable and less polluting way. That's, that's interesting. Um, because there are no indexes or no credible indexes that take into account um, uh, consumption-based emissions. So I think that would be an interesting area for our readers to explore. So just following up on, you know, these consumption-based emissions, we we also see that in in the case of of the Nordics, a lot of them invest in in land and uh, anti deforestation policies in other countries. Um, I, I know that Norway invested $1 billion to uh, buy, a, uh, buy some land in the Amazon forest in Brazil, um, banning any sort of deforestation on it. 
you know what is your what is your take on this do you do you think uh do you think this is ethically correct and and, and do you, and do you think they should be imposing such um sustainability guidelines in other developing countries that require um these natural resources to grow well um on the one hand um it does make a lot of sense um because tropical forests, I mean, Norway and the Scandinavian countries have a lot of forests, but they're not tropical forests. And in terms of biodiversity and in terms of the impact on the global environment, tropical forests like the Amazon are really important. Uh, so in that sense, it, it makes sense to do this. And of course, this is essentially, a, I, as I understand it, a, volunt a voluntary transaction. Um, if it involves swapping debt for um, rainforest, that might be a bit more coercive. Um, it, it sort of depends how, to what extent, you know, Brazil has the, or other countries uh, in developing countries, uh, other developing countries have the ability to kind of voluntarily decide if they want to uh, take this deal of swapping um, uh, rainforest uh, for, for money or for debt relief or not. Um, certainly it has been very controversial in these developing countries because many of these developing countries feel that they may need to use and uh, their forests, cut down parts of their forest, exploit them in order to develop just as the, the developed countries in the north and in, in uh, Western Europe did so in the past in order to achieve industrialization, development and, and wealth. So, so that's a dilemma that, that has to be faced. It's understandable that many in developing countries uh, don't like this idea. Um, on the other hand, it's certainly true that uh, the, um, the tropical forests in terms of biodiversity and I think uh, the global environment have an especially uh, key role to play. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's very interesting. And so just for our listeners out there that are not familiar with um, debt swapping, could you maybe explain how, you know, how these transactions work? Is it, um, is, is Brazil paying off its debt to these, these wealthy uh, nations by just swapping out land and, um, you know, succumbing to their sustainability goals and, and practices? How, how do these work? Well, I mean, not just Brazil, but in general, this is a model in which, yes, countries that have debts uh, to, uh, to bankers or maybe to uh, develop, uh, aid agencies in, in uh, richer countries will pay some of that back or forego paying some of that back in exchange for setting aside a certain amount of land in an environmentally sensitive area to be preserved and not to be developed, not to have the trees there cut down. That's the basic idea. And so kind of pivoting um, from this part, you know, you've lived in Norway for 15 years of your life. You've experienced a lot, a lot in Norway. So what is, what is your opinion on, you know, just sustainability in Norway and, you know, what do you think are in, in particular, what, are the, what do you think are some of the problems with Nordic model? Well, one thing just to keep in mind, getting back to what I was saying, I mean, some environmental factors do make uh, their uh, carbon footprint worse. One is it's a cold climate, so they need to spend a lot of energy uh, on heating. It's also these, again, are countries that have very low population densities. So the excellent public transportation we have in the greater Tokyo area with lots of uh, electrified trains and, and not to mention buses, etc. There's much less of that in many parts of these countries because they're just so have such low population densities. Um, but in terms of problems, um, 
there are certainly some real problems I can see. So one thing I noticed when I came to Norway, uh, particularly uh, in 2005, is many people leave their lights on at night. That's because electricity has been so cheap. They've had very cheap uh, renewable hydroelectricity. Um, and in some public buildings in Norway uh, in the 50s and 60s were built with electric heaters you literally cannot turn off. So the only way to cool the room in that case is to open the window. So this is kind of a consequence of having electricity that's too cheap. Now, as I may have mentioned, Norway is now starting to export more electricity to its European neighbors, partly to help back up their um, renewable energy efforts on their own. So when you know the wind dies down in Britain or the sun goes down in Germany, they can import high hydroelectric power from Norway to compensate. So that's that's good. And again, that's this concept of Norway as the green battery of Europe. Um, but that's also created a lot of backlash and domestic controversy in Norway because electricity prices have gone up a lot, partly because of that, partly because you have more demand because more people are driving electric cars. So that that's one problem that, that uh, they certainly have in terms of uh, needing to be more sustainable. And I think actually the transition to higher electric prices, although it, electricity prices, although it's not welcome in Norway, I think will lead them to be a bit more, people to be a bit more, practice greater conservation in terms of this valuable electricity resource they have so that it can be shared with other uh, places where uh, renewable energy is not so abundant. That's, that's interesting because when we think of the Nordic countries, we would think of, um, consumers and citizens that are conscientious that, you know, turn their lights off before they sleep. You know, th those are the kind of things uh, we think of when we're sitting in countries like uh, that are not as sustainable. So that's, I think, very, very interesting to know. And, and so, you know, what are, what are some of the things that the, the listeners should reflect on uh, from this conversation? You know, what are some things that um, they could, they could look at some things that they could explore to understand this this issue at a at a deeper more fundamental level well um to be sure what you call consumption-based emissions or maybe what we call import-based emissions are an important factor i do think it's worth uh looking at a country's consumption not only in terms of what they produce domestically but what they import from others and also what they export to others both in terms of oil and gas on the one hand or clean renewable energy on the other hand or products like aluminum made from uh, clean renewable energy. But um, I do think it's important to look at both sides of that ledger um, when uh, assessing sustainability. Uh, my own focus besides Japanese security and, and foreign policy is on renewable energy. And that's an interesting and important area to look at. We're in the midst of a renewable energy revolution in terms of dramatically growing wind and solar uh, generation that is promising for helping us to bring down uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And we're beginning to see a revolution in terms of the conversion of automobiles and, and trucks from uh, gasoline and diesel and fossil fuel burning types to, um, uh, to electric powered that are zero emissions. Those are very important. Um, if uh, you're interested, particularly in renewable energy, I can recommend the International Renewable Energy Agency, IRENA's uh, webpage. They have annual reports about the progress of renewable energy, and you can learn uh, a lot from that. Thank you, that's, that's very interesting. So something to take back for our listeners is to look into consumption-based emissions, um, the international, uh, could you repeat it 
for us one more time. International Renewable Energy Agency or IRENA, I-R-E-N-A. All right. So consumption-based emissions, the IRENA, and uh, just reading more into uh, the pros and cons of the Nordic model. I think um, it, it's a very interesting model to consider um, because we see the fall of you know these social democracies across across the globe. So it's interesting to consider this model and look at why it's been so successful or why it's not been so successful. So thank you. Thank you for um, listening in um, to our podcast. Thank you, Professor um, Paul, for agreeing to be a part of this podcast. And uh, thank you to the Keck Center for International and Strategic Studies for uh, making this happen. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been my pleasure to talk to you today.